0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate and, in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco.
2: All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Good Morning New York. It is Tuesday, June 30th. I can't believe that. And I'm your host, Vince Rocco. We are here coming to you live from Blastoff Studios in New York. Um, So, here to the news, New York lawmakers trudged to the end of this year's turbulent legislative session, approving a wide-ranging deal encompassing housing policy, education, and other matters last week. The deal includes a four-year extension of rent regulations that apply to about one million apartments in New York City and its suburbs, though tenant advocates criticized the reforms that had been agreed upon as inadequate. The governor and lawmakers were grappling with a number of thorny and time-sensitive issues, including the future of rent regulations and a tax incentive program intended to encourage developers to create affordable housing known as 421A tax abatements. The tax incentive program will also be extended with changes intended to produce more affordable housing, though that extension is contingent on the real estate industry and organized labor, reaching an agreement on wages, for construction workers. The New Deal also extends mayoral oral control of New York City schools, but by only one year, far from the permanent extension sought by Mayor Bill de Blasio, who had been repeatedly stymied by state lawmakers. The law also includes an unexpected new power for Governor Andrew Cuomo. Legislatures agreed to give him the legal authority to perform wedding ceremonies, just like some other officials, including mayors. The governor said that after New York legalized same-sex marriage in 2011, a move that he championed, he had received requests to officiate at weddings and wanted the ability to do so. And this past weekend, he certainly did so. In a bid to tap the Miami market, Brown Harris-Stevens is acquiring boutique firm Zilbert International Realty, according to The Real Deal. Uh, Brown Harris-Stevens Zilbert will be the new name for the brokerage's Miami office, and it will be led by President Mark Zilbert, who founded his firm in 2003. Zilbert currently has 30 agents and handles $450 million worth of sales a year. Miami seems to be the next market to move – Miami seemed to be the next market to move into in the Florida market, said William Zeckendorf, co-chairman of uh, Brown-Harris Stevens. He said, quote, Miami is one of the fastest-growing cities in America. Uh, the two ends of the Manhattan market seem to be moving in opposite directions lately. While a luxury apartments saw a strong second quarter with a record in sales of units that were 4 million or more, the lower priced end of the market fell. Apartments priced 1 million or less saw the biggest drop with 10.5 percent, the Wall Street Journal has reported. Sales of units of 4 million or more rose by a record setting 18.7 percent. Overall, condo and co-op sales in Manhattan declined by 7% since the second quarter last year. Limited supply and high prices explain the decline. People can't afford to trade up. Many people who need an extra bedroom don't have the cash to buy the next level of apartment, or the money to renovate it as a result, the market stagnates. And we've talked about that many times on this program and probably will continue to do so. The Landmarks Preservation Commission added hundreds of buildings on the Upper West Side to its Riverside West End Historic District on Tuesday last week, bringing the number of protected buildings in the district to 1,255 1255 buildings. The Commission designated 344 new buildings as the Riverside West End Historic District Extension 2, protecting virtually every building between West 94th Street and 108th Street between Riverside Drive and West End Avenue. Actor Christopher Maloney, who formerly starred on Law & Order's Special Victims Unit, listed his Park Park Imperial condominium unit for $9 million. The 3,000-square-foot pad is located on the 60th floor of the 70-story building at 230 West 56th Street, according to the Wall Street Journal. He purchased it in 2005 for $5.5 million and has been renting it out for the past several years after it failed to sell for an asking price of $12 million in 2012. Brian Lewis from Halstead Property has that listing. In order to promote the fact it is now streaming all nine seasons of Seinfeld, Hulu has created a pop-up exhibit at Milk Studios in the Meatpacking District, complete with a meticulous replica of Jerry's apartment. I wish I saw that. I'm sorry I missed it. Standing inside the apartment probably felt a little different for us than it did for Jerry since it was better lit. There was uh, no ceiling. <laughs> the side where there would be, where there would have been cameras is now a big street window. But if you want to see it um, and to see what it looks like, uh, you have to check out its uh, 360-degree virtual tour because the exhibit that was present actually closed on Sunday. And again, I'm sorry I missed it. Tonight, though, is the season finale of Million Dollar Listing New York. For those out there who who follow uh, the boys, it has been an interesting season with Frederick, Ryan, and Luis. But the biggest news coming out of this season is that Fred and Derek uh, have found a donor and plans are set for them to have a baby probably real soon. And we wish them well. And you'll have to wait till next season to see what that's all about. The network says – oops, sorry – Last week, I mentioned that Donald Trump tossed his hat into the ring for a run in the presidential race, hoping to get the Republican nomination. But this week, Donald Trump has been fired from NBC because of his recent comments about Mexicans but and Latinos. But hey, business is business, so there's a catch. NBC just said, due to the recent derogatory statements by Donald Trump regarding immigrants, NBC Universal is ending its relationship with Mr. Trump – The network says Miss USA and Miss Universe will no longer air on NBC. And as for The Apprentice, the network notes Trump has already said he would not participate because of his presidential run. But the network says Celebrity Apprentice is a Mark Burnett production, and that relationship will continue. And guess who hosts that show? But NBC said they will be demanding a different host. As we said, business is business. And, you know, I'm not picking on Mr. Trump, but, you know, there's fodder for a lot of entertainment in the news sometimes, and you got to just point it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he is comical. Good morning, everybody. How are Good you? Good morning, Vince. Good morning. Well, so I'm here with our panel, Parul Nile, Phil, and Deborah Hoffman. How was your weekend? Good. 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 Plans for the upcoming Fourth of July weekend?
3: I'm heading to Fire Island for a few days.
2: Nice. Yeah. Uh, I hear it's going to be a rain out.
4: Great, great.
3: Look forward
5: <laughs> to that.
4: Well, it was it rain rainout
5: last
2: weekend too? Uh, I mean, well, yeah. sort of. Yeah, I know. I
4: was in Philadelphia. It's always sunny there. It's all... <laughs>
2: last, really? This
4: past weekend, yeah. I mean, it was sunny. It was a little windy, but it was a great weekend out there.
2: So well, let me ask you something, because sure. I'm always curious. So when it rains and it pours <laughs> on a place like Fire Island, I've spent many many summers out there. Yes. But what does one do on Fire Island? Well.
3: Before kid,
2: -kid, pre-kid, we
3: would just sit around and play cards all day. (laughs) It's pretty much what you do. But uh, now we're going to have our hands full anyway with the 10-month-old. So I'm not even too concerned because we're just all kind of wrapped up in that whole thing. You know, We really haven't taken her out too much, not not to a destination anyway. No,
2: but you'll be running around the cottage probably because they can't keep themselves contained at 10 months. They're so cute. It's just one of those things. Anyway, yeah. So what, let let me ask you, you know, the state of the market as we are approaching the 4th of July weekend, somebody had a friend over for dinner last night and, you know, we were just talking and she said, well, I don't understand. I can't believe actually that we are mid-year, mid-2015. What has happened to this year? And can you believe 4th of July weekend is coming up? So, you know, of course, we're all, you know, racing against the clock, especially in our business. But my question is, where have we come from January? Because honestly... I'm a, sort of like in a blur. I, I can't – I'm trying to remember what January through June has been about in business. But how has business been the first half of 2015? We've had all predictions in fourteen, But how has it really been in 2015, first half?
6: I'm actually a little disappointed because I tend to do incredibly well in the first half of most years. Same here. And then I just wait <clears> – <throat> This year has been very strange. I went on, I think close to thirty what we call pitches listing appointments, and I got very few of them, which never happens to me. and I watched each of the listings that I missed out on, and these are all price points. This is from four hundred thousand dollars up to four million no up to four and a half million dollars. So it's really runs the gamut. and what I think is really interesting is every listing I lost, was to a broker who what we call bought the listing. They quoted Ooh. a price that was way too high, but let me tell you how high. In the million dollar range, many of these brokers quoted over a million dollars higher. Ooh. In the lower range, wow. from 800,000 and less, they quoted one to 200,000 dollars higher. And Mm -hmm. I watch all of these listings just out of curiosity, and it is against REBNY rules for me to contact, for any of us to contact a seller once the listing is live with someone else. Absolutely. But out of about 30 uh, listings that I, quote, lost, um, I think three of them sold. Three of them are in contract. Others have lowered the price, but not enough. Mm. So – it makes me think what's happening in the market. We talk about the high prices, we talk about the low inventories, but we haven't talked about people being <clears throat> pigs. Well, we, we talk about, <laughs> you know, because there is there is an old Wall now Street you sound adage. Like me. Okay, well, I agree. you know what? There's an old Wall Street adage, and Wall Streeters will understand this that bulls get rich and bears get rich and pigs get slaughtered. And I think that's what ha- – and I know some of these people's timelines, they had to be out by June. They really did for many reasons. Well, listen, and their we, we talked a little
2: bit about this last week when we were talking about pricing mm-hmm. strategy and how we come up with the right price for our sellers who sometimes want to be a little aggressive in their asking price because, you know, my neighbor in California who I used to live next to said I should get $500,000 more for my apartment because it's this, that, and whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day – you know, it's it's unfortunate to hear, you know, 30-some-odd listings go in a yes. different direction and mostly because of incorrect pricing. And I also this told the story. N- m- right. But never. I also told the story last week how I fired a seller mm-hmm. uh because mm-hmm. of uh mm-hmm. too aggressive, you know, um, pricing. But you know what? I think, though, it is our responsibility, our responsibility as agents, and I can only speak to the New York marketplace uh so the rest of you out there in, in, in the world can appreciate that we have our job cut out for us uh, because of the market that we work in. But it is our job, I think, as agents to make sure our sellers understand what the price is. Now, they're not always going to agree with us. And I tell my agents all the time who work for me, it's okay to walk away. Because at the end of the day, if you do it professionally, they're going to come back to you because the person who comes in, and Deborah, as you say, buy that listing. Yes. It's not going to sell. It's going to create a lot of drama and and hassle. And if you were professional in your approach, in your presentation, and in your ability to walk away, they will come back to you. And I have to tell you, that's happened to me. Mm-hmm. I can't even count the amount of times that has happened to me. So
5: mm-hmm.
2: we oh, all get annoyed that we can't get that listing because we all go out and we want to be competitive and we want to beat the next guy. And even though somebody is crazy with a price, we want to still get that listing. Oftentimes we can't because it's the seller's choice. But if we do our job right and remain professional, which I know you are, you know these things can and do come back. Listen, it's the same with you know they go and decide to sell on their own. They get a board turned down in a co-op, and whose mm-hmm. phone is ringing? Yep. Vince, I need you. Yeah. Now I can say go away, mm-hmm. but why would I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm professional. I have a business, and that has happened to me. Multiple times. You go out and you do all these presentations and you think, oh, my God. And then you decide, well, not only am I not giving it to you, Vince Rocco, but I'm not giving it to anybody. I'm going to do it myself. All right. So free advice. Good luck. Here you go. And then Mm -hmm. they get a board turned down, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because they don't know how to vet. They don't know how to qualify. They can't put together a board package. And in certain buildings where the the boards are wild and crazy, this goes on. Mm Mm-hmm. And is that the advice that you would give to just walk away in these situations? For
5: example, you know, if you're pitching thirty people and you'll, you mm-hmm. only get three of them with the experience that Deborah has, it's just a matter of walking away in that situation. How are we mm-hmm. coming to grips You've with got to
2: be, the unrealistic seller? I think a very good question. You've mm-hmm. got to be selective in your walking away. Um, because, you know, first of all, 30 is, is a lot. Well, in, I find out court.
6: afterwards. Usually right. I'm not it, of course. it's one thing if you're the last broker to pitch to go and speak with them. Usually they'll tell you what everyone said ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what I always do when I see something hit the market, even though I always send a handwritten thank you note after I meet with someone and I do try to keep in touch with them. Sometimes they will say, we're sorry, but we wanted to go with so-and-so because they decided to be more aggressive in their pricing. And I always say to them, well, you know, as I mentioned to you when we met, I could be more aggressive also, but I also know your story and I care about you. And ethically, this is your home. And I'm not going to make up numbers, Mm. you know, to make you happy. Mm -hmm. This really has to do with your family, your life. And I wish you the best, best of luck when I I, – that's what I say when I finally see they put it on with someone else. I wish you the best of luck, and I would love to be your second broker if it comes to that. Mm -hmm. And that has happened over the years, just not yet this year. I have a
2: comment to make also, but we have to go to break. You were listening to Good Morning uh, New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away.
1: Visit Blue Realty Group.com. That's B L U Realty Group.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to-, to the show. All right, everybody, we're
2: back and we're talking to our esteemed uh, panel, Deborah. Phil Niall Perul and Ivy Ray has just joined us. I want to just finish my thought on the the pricing strategy. So to answer Niall's question, yeah. you know, it, it it it's there's never really a science to it, and and sellers always have their their wish list or their their you know goal bar that they think their apartment apartment is worth and the high price whatever. So instead of only just walking away and saying I'm not I'm not the broker for you and as Deborah just said, maybe you know I'll be the the second one call me back you know when when uh, <laughs> things don't go well and you find right ways to say that yep. I sometimes will take a listing that's a little overpriced but only a little overpriced mm-hmm. but with the proviso that within 30 days based on the amount mm-hmm. of traffic based yep. on the amount of uh, offers yep. mm-hmm. based on the amount of whatever that we will have to reduce. price and i make them agree to that and i tell them what we're going to reduce the price to and it's usually what i've priced the apartment at yeah Mm -hmm. and i will say nine times out of ten they will say okay fine as long as you can show them that you'll give them that 30 days maybe 45 days to go out at their price i just did this with a rental you know it was a four thousand dollar rental i priced it at thirty five hundred dollars and so for two and a half weeks, we were on for $4,000, not one phone call, not anybody showing up at open house, no web inquiries, nothing. Wow. So I emailed the seller and I said, hey, you got to give me a call. He called me and he said, I know we got to reduce the price, right? I said, yes. He said, well, what are we going to reduce it to? I said, what did I tell you three weeks ago? He nice. says, you know, 35 50. I said, no, I said 35 but I'll yeah. do 35 <laughs>
3: That's Interesting good.
2: the phone's ringing. Interesting yeah. we have a couple of appointments this week. Interesting mm-hmm. if we have open house, you know, whenever we'll have people come through. That's I mean right. it's not rocket mm-hmm. science so one here. One thing
3: though I think it's so hard is that a seller or a landlord doesn't want to leave any money on the table. No. That's the fear. The fear is they're interviewing a lot of brokers. They don't mm-hmm. know the brokers that well. How do they know that you're not just looking for a quick deal? You know, Because obviously they're thinking from their perspective mm-hmm. that the broker wants to price it at a lower price so it could sell – in a wee quick. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well,
5: I think just going off what Rachel said, I think one or two weeks ago, where her strategy is to is to say to the sellers, "Look, we'll price it five percent below what we what we're thinking where we should list it at," and then to draw up a lot of traffic, and then you're pumping buying temperature, having mm-hmm. thirty people in an open house, and then you're getting you know the price bid up in kind of a bidding war, and, and we're in that situation where you know the market, the amount of apartments that are out there is scarce, and the buyers are all over the place. And, so I
4: mean, and the amazing thing is, is just On one of my listings recently, I had somebody lowball offer two hundred thousand dollars lower than about two hundred fifty. Well, two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars less than the asking price, and this is like a one point five million dollar listing. That's starting again, yeah. Mm. And um, and they did that, and then I got another offer, and now all of a sudden I got into a bidding situation, and uh, these people immediately jumped up two hundred twenty thousand dollars in their offer. I mean, they knew where the apartment should have been. I don't know what game they were playing, but it, there's a lot of funky stuff going on right now. There just is. because I think that people are sort of, I think every, I mean, I, I think it's it's, and this is this happened before. I remember in two thousand seven, I think it was we saw a very similar market space, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. where everything was just all over the place, yeah. and I think that in, it's sort of like you know. I, my per- personally going through it one time before, I just recognize that all we can do is be the eye of the storm. You know what I mean? Like let it all just sort of fluctuate around mm-hmm. us and just sort of just keep doing what we do well and ultimately <clears throat> everything sort of kind's, kind of comes back to us. You know? I'm
2: scratching my head and because I'm fasting the past week, I can't even have a martini at uh. the end of the day, which is killing me because <laughs> yesterday or the day, the day before – yesterday, no, yesterday, Monday – You know, I'm trying to sell a townhouse to a buyer of mine. He comes in with a $2 million under-asking price offer on a townhouse. And I just looked at him and said, for real? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, of course. Of course what? If you were the seller, you're not doing that. You're not going to accept that. $2 million under-asking price. I mean, it's going to be a a huge – S show this coming week. I can't see it. <laughs> Anyway, let's ah. move on.
0: Yes, You ma'am. know, I just wanted to tip, uh, finish off with what Niall asked, and that's about us making choices as to whether or not we take a listing. And all I want to say is when you've got somebody that is crazy unreasonable mm-hmm. in what it is that they'd like to sell their apartment for, Vince, you and I have talked about this. You can smell a mile away when somebody really means their deep unreasonability. (laughs) And those are the ones I absolutely simply walk Mm
6: -hmm. away from. Yeah.
0: Right. Because life is too short. Mm. I am not playing it and and they mean it. And there's no rhyme or reason. They've got a price and they want it and they think they can get it. And I'm like, you know what? As as Deb good luck. <laughs> Have great you. life. Good luck. Great life.
2: Bye. <laughs> I know I wanted to move on, but I want to make one other point yeah, to yeah. what yeah. I was saying too, because it's now, you know, the buyers as well, you know, even though there's a limited inventory out there and even though the price may be right or the price may be a little high, whatever, the buyers are all of a sudden now saying, but you know, I don't care that there's not a lot to see or there's not a lot out there. I'm not paying that price. <laughs> And I've been seeing that, not Mm -hmm. just with my townhouse buyer. I'm seeing that Mm. across the board. I all Mm -hmm. of a sudden have a a bunch of buyers that I'm dealing with. And I'm I'm seeing the same trend and I'm thinking, well, okay, so what's wrong with the price? I'm here to tell you and I can show you all the comps, whatever, that the price is right on the money. It's price to sell. Or even if it's a little over, we can negotiate maybe and get it down to what you want. But when they come to you with a posture that says, no, I'm just not paying that price. And I say, well, there's a limited inventory. Well, I'm not in a hurry
6: hmm We know well, what's also happening now. This is, is happening. It's, I've been yeah. seeing it yeah. a
2: lot in the last two weeks. It's
6: the time of year where you have a lot of uh, <clears throat> young people graduating graduate school mm-hmm. or they're graduating college and they want to come into the city for graduate school and their parents might live in the outer boroughs but they're local and they – in their world, they have a lot of money and they're going to help out their child by and they're the ones steering the ship because – 30, 40 years ago when they bought their house, it was a different market. And they remember, oh, of course, you start really, really, really low because you have to show them who's boss. <laughs> and we all see that. I, I've saw well, it, like Carol just said, I saw that in 2007 a lot. I saw it a little differently during the downturn where people said, oh, everyone's in distress. Everyone's in distress, so I'm going to bid low. That was different. But now, as you just mentioned, mm-hmm. It's also a little seasonal because we're in the summer and the parents are out there buying with their kids. I think that's, and that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. I also think that the environment of there being no inventory in
0: the city has finally settled and people's mentality has adjusted to that. Buyers are not so freaked out anymore. I mean, we've been going through yeah. this for a while now. Mm-hmm. So last season it was a panic and now we're here and people are more adjusted to the fact that – There isn't a lot of inventory. So they've had time in all winter to begin to get themselves ready. And they're not going to go out and freak out and buy something. They're actually like, okay, let's go shopping. Mm -hmm. But if what we see isn't there or the price isn't what we want, let's wait. They've had time to adjust. Yeah.
2: All right. So moving on, when you um, when you're new to the New York City rental market, um, it can seem really hard to navigate through. I mean, it can be impossible sometimes, and it even mystifies us. I know it does me as a broker. But below five commonly asked first time renter questions. So uh, you know, we want to give first time renters out there some advice as to how you maneuver through the New York City. Rental market. And I'm talking about Manhattan. I'm talking about Brooklyn. I'm talking about Queens. I'm talking about, you know, wherever we we do rentals. So basically the first question I get from a first time, as Deborah said a little while ago, you know, recent college grads, they come into the city, they're starting their job. And I was just talking with one the other day. When is the best time for me to start looking?
5: So if you're a renter looking to rent in New York City, Manhattan specifically, um, I, I recommend that the folks look 30 to 45 days out and give them enough time to actually understand the market, have their paperwork ready. I think that's the biggest thing is being ready to sign an apartment because these apartments move so quickly. Um, the yeah. vac- you know the vacancy rate is very low here in Manhattan, so you have to be ready to go. Um, so thirty forty five days out, but you know we've found apartments. You know one two days. It re- I mean it's it, it fluctuates, but understanding the market and what you're getting into when having a, a head start is really important.
2: Are there seasons that are better than others in the rental market? For example, you know I graduate in June. Should I wait until the fall to look, or is the summer a hot market, or should I kind of do something and then come back in January? Because people ask me that as well, and you know my answer sometimes is I I. 100% agree with what you just said, because when you need an apartment, you need an apartment. But is there a season that is better or hotter than not? The uh, – could you hear me now? Yeah. This is okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. We certainly can hear that now. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have
3: something in my throat today. Um, so I'm not as resonant as usual. Anyway, uh, well, the, the craziest time in the rental market is clearly the summer. Right now. Right now. You're in the heart of it right now. Oh, yeah. Prices are higher. And the inventory is a lot less. Um, well, w- let me rephrase that. There's more comes on the market, but things go a lot mm-hmm. more quickly. So if you're if you're someone that is looking to buy or to rent and you can go either in the winter or the summer. It doesn't really matter too much. I usually tell people, start looking in the summer, but it will be great. You can get the best deal in the winter. The only downside with the winter is not enough inventory usually comes up. And that's because most landlords want their apartments to come up, the leases to come up in the summertime because they can get more money for those apartments. So uh, sometimes the inventory is just a lot less, unfortunately, in the the winter. You're not going to have as much of a choice.
0: But, boy, will you get a good deal. You
3: can yes. get a, you can get a yeah. much yeah. better deal. Apartment sit.
5: Especially if you're willing to brave the cold.
2: Yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. But, but you know, because most people do graduate in the May, June timeframe in some schools in April, you know, this tends to be, as you just said, Niall, the hot time right now because everybody has to get a place before they start their job. Uh, someone just, an acquaintance of mine just started a job, I think, yesterday, Monday, Uh, And still hasn't found an apartment. I'm not working with this individual, but a friend of mine is. And, you know, they're out looking, and I'm sure they'll secure something this week because. That kid's already started the job. Has to live someplace. Yeah, I want to surfing lasts for a little bit of time. I just wanted to add
3: one thing to what Niall said. So I agree, thirty to forty-five days is usually good to start. You can even start two months in advance because sometimes apartments do come on the market two months in advance, and you can get lucky. These are apartments that are occupied; the person hasn't left yet. So I would say, if you know, why not start looking even earlier than that? I do
0: that as well. Right, right.
3: But one thing you should know too, and this is kind of cool: don't freak out if you haven't found an apartment and you have two weeks left. And the reason is because things go so quickly, a lot of landlords don't even put their apartments on the market until they're empty, vacant. Mm -hmm. They, you know, clean them up, they paint them, they redo the floors, and then they put them on and they expect them to rent within a few days. So the good news there is that if you haven't found something, I mean, it's very stressful, but yes, you can find something within a couple of days. And that's partly because the market's so crazy. Landlords know that and they don't have to, they don't have to put the apartments on the market.
4: If you're looking for a longer lead time apartment, then Mm. chances are if there's a, Per, like a private owner, uh, renting either in a co-op or a condo, um, because of board approval, whatnot, then there is a longer lead time. So there's that availability as and well. The, and the, mm-hmm. that's,
3: that's totally true. And also on leasebreak.com, which I'm the founder of that website, a lot of times if people are breaking their lease, they know that far in advance. So they'll, they'll tend to post on our website three or four months out sometimes. So it's also just a great way to get a, get a deal way
0: in advance. You know, one final thing that I wanted to say, especially people that are potentially from out of town and haven't bought their furniture yet, et cetera, another reason not to panic and you wait until after the summer rush thing is over and then stuff does come on the market, uh, September, October, people Mm -hmm. can get – a temporary sublet, furnace sublet, right. mm-hmm. and actually have access yeah. to a really sweet market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. that And every, everybody else has already signed their leases. You're oh. in some place. You can calm down, and you can find something you love. And then, of course, they would look at leasebreak.com. That's right. Our That's colleague's right. place. But it's a great idea, mm-hmm. and people don't tend to think about that.
2: They don't. And we're going to continue this conversation. When we return, we are going to break. On the other side, more rental questions. Don't go
1: away. Visit Blue Realty Group.com. That's BLU Realty Group.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at Blurealtygroup.com Now, back to the show. All
2: right. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the rental market here in New York, and we've just discussed when the right time is to start looking for an apartment. You know, I have another question. So, you know, rental brokers don't necessarily have a great reputation in this town. And I'm talking about the ones who work for, you know, smaller companies Mm -hmm. who, you know, run around the streets, you know, looking like messengers sometimes and just don't really look professional. You know, questions I get all the time. How do I feel safe when I'm working with a rental broker? Because Mm -hmm. I have to divulge financial information. I have to, you know, give you, you know, deposit checks, et cetera. How do I, as a first-time renter, so I'm assuming this is a younger person. How do I feel safe in this town when I engage with a rental broker to find me a, a, a an apartment that I desperately need?
5: Yeah, I think the first thing to do is, is use Google, right? That's that's a start. You gotta understand too that a lot of rental brokers start out in the business as rental brokers. And you know, you might be getting somebody who's just starting out in the business. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad broker, but you have to, you know at least google them and see who they are what firm they are and if there's any bad reviews another thing to do especially if you're coming from out of town is simply just ask for a recommendation from somebody who has done it in the past Perfect. they've likely worked yes. with myself or vince or deborah or somebody in the past and they know exactly you know what kind of reputation that broker stands for um and they know they'll do a good job so a lot of where i'm at on the rental side of the business is based off recommendations mm-hmm. and, they, and they come in you know almost daily at, at this point so um that that's a really great place to start is just off of recommendation
2: before we leave the rental topic you know the other thing I try to tell people all the time is be prepared you know before you even start out with your broker of choice based on a recommendation based on whatever but when I say be prepared to my renter what do I mean what should they show up with day one on a search a package ready to go what is in that package
0: Well, they've got their references, they've got their financials, they've got, um, I ask people to do a little story, a history on themselves, because it's a competitive market. So tell your Mm -hmm. story and make it concise. I help them edit that. I mean, everything that's going to be required of them, even show up with checks ready to go, because now it's not uncommon, you guys, right? I had it Mm -hmm. happen with the place that I just got for myself in the village. In order to have 48 hours to think about it, I had to hand them a check. Remember, Vance? I was like, is this customary? I was willing to do whatever, (laughs) but just... Be ready. What yeah. else, you guys?
3: Well, So specifically, <clears throat> a letter of employment, pay stubs, recent pay stubs, mm-hmm. bank statement, uh, landlord reference letter if the person just came from a previous uh, mm-hmm. address where they were renting. Uh, last two pa- – or first two pages of your tax return, uh, W-2 if you have that. Mm-hmm. Am I forgetting anything? Photo ID. Photo ID. Photo ID. Yeah.
5: You have to fill out and complete the application. Applications yeah. generally range between fifty and one hundred and fifty dollars per applicant. Mm-hmm. Three, three tenants, three guarantors. That's going to be six application fees and six full packages. And the credit <laughs> check fees. So it's not you know a lot of people think that they can just come to New York and then just oh I got some money in the bank and then sign like you can everywhere else in America. Right. But the landlord-tenant mm-hmm. laws are so strict you know here in New York mm-hmm. City that the landlords really need to vet every single client in and guarantor or whoever is going to be on the lease and in order to have them properly vet you you have to come properly prepared with all the paperwork that Phil and, and I doing, just
0: outlined and if you're doing a condominium you need to you know it's we even, give them a heads yeah. up we send them you know i actually send them a a a, a random condo application so they can get a sense of what it is that they're going to need in order to be able to complete that because if they're on a time thing as we know there's a turnaround time in order for condo packages to get yeah. uh, to get processed but it's like buying an apartment the information mm-hmm. that you have to it's sometimes one, more yeah.
1: difficult
3: One uh, real quick Vince yeah. one thing you said be prepared so be prepared when Vince says that it doesn't necessarily mean bring money bring a checkbook right. I mean that's part of it but the truth is in Manhattan to get an apartment you have to have the paperwork ready so yeah. I've lost that when I first started in the business, so many apartments because we didn't have the paperwork ready uh-huh. and there were eight other applications ahead of us. It, and people first come here, they think, Well, as long as I have my checkbook, I'm good, right? No. You have to have the paperwork, paperwork that we behind you. And a
5: lot of people too, who especially folks who are coming into the city <laughs> with new jobs, they're gonna get an offer from, you know, Merrill Lynch in September and they're gonna come right now and say, Oh well, my offer letter is from here. Well, you gotta remember the letter of employment needs to be within the last thirty days. Yeah. It can't they that that has no bearing. An offer get letter the doesn't stand yes. With a landlord, they need to understand that you're currently employed or about to be employed and at what date, what your salary is going to be annually, and what your current position is going to be.
0: And if you work with a really well-seasoned broker, when uh, as per example of what you just mentioned, they have ways to, uh, to coach you yeah. to get around things like that. So but if it's the importance of working with somebody who's got a good history who has good references because there are a lot of circumstances that are going to come up that may seem impossible and a seasoned broker can likely get you through all of them.
5: And two quick tips for for brokers. One, you know when we talk about checks, I mean a lot has moved to credit cards now, but you know a trick that I learned early on in my in my career is always carry an extra check. In your, in your wallet or purse, um, just in the event an application fee needs, needs to get put down to secure it to take it off the market for 24 mm-hmm. hours. Your client doesn't have it. You told them to bring it. They don't have it. They don't know where their paperwork is or whatever. Then you could plunk it down in order to secure it while you gather up the rest of the paperwork. Second tip is if they're going to be using a guarantor, mm-hmm. it's really important big, big. that you speak to that guarantor prior to mm-hmm. going out. Mm-hmm. Don't go out with Susie and then show her a bunch of places and then call up the guarantor who lives in L.A. and say, by the way, I need your tax returns, bank statements, this, that. Tax Co-
3: returns. I'm not giving it to my tax returns. her yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> they, <laughs> and they freak
5: out. Your kid and the out girl's party. under a gun to find a place now. And she loves this one place. The dad's going to give resistance. And then all of a sudden she loses the place. and then it's And then it's panic mode, right? Yep. But if you have that oh, conversation mm-hmm. prior, they're all ready to go. You say, okay, now, John, we've identified it. Please send the paperwork. He sends it. And then it's a smooth transaction. I'm yeah. just Smart.
4: glad that part of my life is over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I hear you. But my,
4: oh, my God. I remember those days. <laughs> my
2: advice always is to people, how fast can I get into this apartment? Well, as fast as you want to work and mm-hmm. as thorough as you want to be. Nope. Yes. Okay, moving on. In today's real estate market, any apartment with an open floor plan and high ceilings tends to be referred to as a loft. But what is real old school um, commercial workspaces or artist studios with tall ceilings, exposed beams and bricks, and few, if any, walls is so much more loft like. But is it really a loft? The new or converted lofts and some of these newer constructions have super luxurious finishings and furnishings, notwithstanding, and make clear why living in one is such an amazing uh, score if you can get one. But really, guys, what you know when buyers out there tell you they want to you know buy a loft, live in a loft. What makes an apartment a real loft?
6: Well, first of all, I think a lot of these buyers, especially if they're from out of town, they have no idea what a loft is. Correct. They really don't. And you have to take them to a few so they could stand there and feel the space. It may not be for them.
2: True. True. So. Yeah. but the thing yeah. is, a lot of people think because you see an open floor plan, you're living mm-hmm. in a loft, and mm-hmm. you know some of these new developments. I mean, even on Riverside Boulevard, there's a there's a fabulous one bedroom uh, line that I've sold recently, uh, half a year ago, whatever. Uh, and everybody walked in, oh, it's very loft-like. I feel like I'm living in a loft. Well, it's not.
6: <laughs> no, you know what
2: constitutes a loft
0: alone. in New York City? I Correct. think we would all agree that the two quintessential New York City. A- apartments. Well, there's so many of them, but it's really – we're famous in a sense around the world for townhouses mm-hmm. and for lofts. Mm-hmm. And lofts tended to – I think everybody agrees they began in Soho. So like right. in the 1600s, Soho was – valleys and rivers and farms. I mean, it's fun to, like, do quick that. into history. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, yeah, was there. Yeah. No, yeah. it's my fourth time back. Back to the future. <laughs> yeah, so 1600s, 1700s, they began to subdivide them. I'm so into this. Lofts are my thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love 1800s, them. it began to become really elite, and townhomes and mansions were begun to be built. The roads began to be made. And then it became, interestingly enough, I feel like Deborah, the uh, <laughs> the red light district. It was there yeah. were unbelievable mansions. Bordeaux you know places where women yeah, along
6: and- 14th street yeah, yeah you, you got can say it say the word so this is that. all down we're not censored a- <laughs> Bodega I forget what the name of it okay. is
0: Bordello. Bordello Bordello thank you <laughs> really elegant ones anyway it moving forward another hundred years from all of those really highly elite and by the way the families down there tended to be single people mm-hmm. and then all the families had begun to be built in townhomes in the upper west but granted people that are listening there was very little still in New York City anyway fast forward a little more and that area became industrial. So it was called the industrial ghost land. The people began to move out and it was all industry, all commercial. And that's where all these buildings were built. So you get a sense of when they were built. And then like in the 1950s, there was a tremendous amount of creativity, a lot of art, a lot of music, a lot of design in New York City. And those industries began to die Mm -hmm. and people began to go in and live illegally. So this is like 1950s. But it was also So the cheap. artists Are the and artists? the creatives, well, and half the time it was yep. free. And then, yeah. the, you know, so they were just going in these vacant buildings and, then they, and those that paid, it was very cheap. And then that's when the loft was born. So it was born really in Soho. So they are old industrial and commercial buildings. Yes. And what
2: I liked about some of those buildings, the what I call first-generation lofts, which you don't totally. see too many of anymore. And whenever I have a loft buyer, the first question I ask is, do you want to see a first-generation loft or do you want to see –
0: A soft loft. They're called. uh,
2: They're like a faux loft. And what is a first Mm -hmm. generation loft? These are in the old, very old commercial industrial buildings where you actually run the elevator yourself. You're moving the cage door open Mm -hmm. and Mm closed as you go in and out. It's very rustic and it's very real and it's very Mm -hmm. first generational. But these are the things that I tell people when they ask about lofts. You know, they say what kind of neighborhoods? And as Ivy just said, in Soho, you find them in Tribeca. You find them in lots of different neighborhoods. Flatiron and Chelsea for sure. The garment district is now. You're not going to find them uptown and east or west. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just not that kind of housing stock up there. And what can you expect to spend? Well, you know, everybody likes lofts. Everybody wants them. And you're going to pay a premium for them. And in a lot of cases, you know, the lofts need, especially the first-generation lofts, need a lot of work. So they're not uh, in a situation where you're going to get away with just moving in turnkey. They're going to need a lot of work. So if you are willing to invest in uh, a loft space, First, determine what type of space you want it to be, and second, make sure you have the budget to, you know, move forward and make that custom to your liking because mm-hmm. it will require a lot of work. Right, and There's, a lot of them have been upgraded. though. Yes, and some elevators them have been, have been installed, mm-hmm.
0: and they are now turnkey. Correct, but they are the original bones. Yeah, and everything is still showing, and there are almost no
2: walls. I'm glad you said that, windows. Ivy, because it's really hard. You know, when I first started in this business 14 years ago, as I say every week, you know, you can find a lot more of those lofts out there if you had these types of buyers. Today, you have to search high and low to find these first-generation places. You just can't find them. And there's
6: one more wrinkle, which we haven't mentioned. When Ivy mentioned that many times, most of the time, these buildings were taken over by artists. Mm -hmm. There was Mm -hmm. a law that was enacted, absolutely, Mm -hmm. called – you have to find out if you're purchasing. I think renting, it's different. But if Mm -hmm. you're purchasing, is it what's called an AIR building, which is Mm artist-in-residence? and. What they define as artist, it could be a writer, a singer, yeah, an actual painter, a sculptor, mm-hmm. but some kind of an artist. And many of these buildings still have this designation. Mm-hmm. And the prices are a touch lower, but you have to jump through numerous hoops. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it in depends. Order- it depends. Yeah. There's
4: some very expensive AR buildings where you know it's no longer artists living there. Right. I mean, right. I've sold these apartments to people Absolutely, in the financial industry, <laughs> and uh, they've all signed they have a waivers. First cousin who's an they've artist. all signed yeah, yeah. Uh, waivers, <laughs> exactly, um, it, saying that they understand that you know if they're ever searched. Um, they'll have to provide proof that they are an artist, which they yes. are absolutely not. Uh, so, but because these solo apartments, I mean, that's the other thing. Some I think financial
2: people, just to be funny, are artists.
4: Right.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that yeah. in. Sorry about that. Okay. And,
4: and the interesting thing was is that designation actually ha- started mm-hmm. happening in the mm-hmm. '70s, '80s, mm-hmm. is because of the fact that these were the, like Ivy said, these abandoned buildings where people were just crashing there. I mean. Musicals Absolutely. like Rent are based on this whole yeah. era, right? And the government decided, okay, you know what? This way, at least it forces people to put in a bathroom and pay mm-hmm. some sort of rent right. or some sort of purchase price. Mm-hmm. So when this program started, these loft spaces were the most affordable places to purchase. Mm-hmm. And now, those same, very same buildings are, I mean, apartments are $10, $12, 15000000 million. Yeah, it's some and of so, the most
0: exclusive property. Right. In the city, so it from, really is. And,
4: and I think one of the reasons why there's so tough to find is number one, they're, they no longer, I mean, price per square foot just makes them absolutely obsolete for like the type of buyer that used to be able to afford these in the past. Uh, and there is a lot of interior space without windows, etc. So these spaces are huge uh, in square footage. Uh, so the price per square foot, given what people are spending in Manhattan these days, um, it, it, it drives up the price. But yet, it doesn't make it necessarily the best layout for proper bedrooms and whatnot. And so I think that there's a lot that you know. This is a whole show in and of itself. It, it really is, is a yeah, whole show. And I is. also think I that a
2: lot of people who have these, you know, first generation places or places that you've just Describe rule. You know, they just don't want to leave them because they're mm-hmm. so unique. They're so yeah. special. that is the really biggest just, the turnover yeah. rate yeah. is probably smaller in these. Yeah, correct. and, right, and there's to, actually
4: yeah. some big artists who do own these places and they bought them like 25, 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. Or and longer. of course, yeah, yes. and of course they're holding on to them because absolutely. how in the world are you going to find that sort of space yep. for that sort of price so, in that so, neighborhood? Yeah, absolutely, yep. in that neighborhood. Well,
2: you absolutely yep. can. All right, so we have to go to break. On the on the uh, flip side of this break, we'll. We're going to talk about noisy neighbors, and that's always a hot button for me. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
1: <laughs> the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. visit blue realty group.com that's b l u stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you are listening to good morning new york real estate with vince rocco If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show.
2: All right, we're back for our last segment, and I want to talk about noise in apartments because, as I said before the break, this is one of my hot buttons. So... Living wall-to-wall, and we live in New York City, okay? So, the, the, I mean, this is just part of the, the course. Uh, but anyway, living wall-to-wall with our fellow New Yorkers can be a blessing, however. And having friendly neighbors gives you uh, instant community and security, which is true. But the blessing can quickly turn to a curse when it comes to noise. And we all live in apartment buildings in this town, whether they're lofts, whether they're you know townhouses, whether they're apartment buildings, doormen, northern doorman, new development, whatever – If you had to deal with nonstop noise from your neighbors, which is worse, a barking dog or a crying baby? Or someone walking (laughs) over your head with high heels all day long? Thank you, Vince's neighbor. (laughs) Uh, what is the deal with noise Uh, and how do you deal with it well I have a baby you have a dog I feel like this is Vince versus Phil no 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 no, 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 wait I
4: I think the baby because they grow up eventually me too me (laughs) too
2: and I'm going to tell you a true story next door to me we had a a brand new baby oh this is going back she's I just saw her the other day I can't even believe how old she's seven or eight already but I remember when she was born the parents knocked on my door and said hey you know we just had to brought the baby home and she's going to cry I said listen I'm an uncle I don't this stuff doesn't bother me
4: you know, it bothered you. <laughs> no, 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 no. My,
2: my the, the honest, true story was it, it did not. And, you know, the baby didn't cry constantly. But every yeah. once in a while, you know, they cry to go to sleep. Yeah. They cry because they're hungry. They cry because they're getting changed, whatever. And it kind of was like you're laughing because you know. But yes. it was kind of like, okay, so like Parul just said, this is going to go away eventually, which, I mean, it, it absolutely did. Mm-hmm. I can honestly tell you I was not bothered by it. You know, and I'm a dog lover, but a barking dog drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. And someone walking over my – because a dog you can't tell, shut up, you know, because they're not going to listen. And (laughs) somebody walking over you or just loud noise from, you know, a music system in the door next door. These are things that people carry on about, okay? So how do you deal with noisy neighbors? And I have to tell you, getting back to real estate, um, you know, when I go out with buyers, you know, buyers sometimes say to me, Well, is this going to be a noisy apartment? And what is your response? I have no idea. You should sleep (laughs) in the apartment for a night and try it out. There you go.
6: (laughs) This is New York City. What do you think? I think a lot (laughs) lot depends on what the noise is because Mm -hmm. when I was new in the city, uh, we lived near Lincoln Center and there were a lot of Juilliard students in our building. And the building – it was a rental and the building had uh, rules as to when they could practice Mm -hmm. because that could get very loud as well. Mm -hmm. The real problem was our next-door neighbors – the man was constantly beating up the wife or the woman. What? And she was and, oh she was and she was crawling God. up and down the hallways, oh knocking dear. on everyone's doors, saying, Help me, help me. What? And this oh was the God. late 70s, and you sort of were like, What do we do? What do we do? So the Juilliard students on our floor, who were very focused on their practicing, all started calling the police. Because they didn't know who to call and the landlord was more into vacating them. So that's a very drastic thing to do. There are usually rules and house rules in most buildings as to dogs and pets. But over the years, I have that was very extreme. But I have sold a number of apartments to people on the west side who – are affiliated with Juilliard, with Lincoln Center, sure. and the buildings do have rules about practicing. Some have rules about insulation in the building. If you have a certain kind of an instrument that's on the floor, like a piano or an well, organ, well, a piano I
2: just sold recently exactly. to a buyer who has a huge grand piano mm-hmm. and plays every day at home. And you know, yeah. we have to ask the question: Is this going to be a problem in the building? Yeah,
6: because you don't want to be exactly. evicted after that's you leave, right. and
2: it's a co-op, so you know you have to deal with these things. Mm-hmm. All right, so noise can be an issue, but you know, I think professionally and and you know the the, the best way to handle it is professionally rather. And um, you know, speak to your neighbors, knock on doors. I mean, people ask me all the time, how do I fix this? Knock on doors. Be nice, be polite, you know, tell them what the issue is, see if it changes. If it doesn't change, then you got to take it to the next step. But Mm -hmm. noise can be a problem. You know, I do have someone over me who not every day, thank God, or I would have been long gone, you know, but she has her moments and she's either moving furniture or stomping on heels. It's 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever she does up there. I don't even know what she does. But she's been an annoyance for for 11 years. Thankfully, like I said, not every day because this would be a big problem. And I already knocked on her door and she was like, one of these. Okay. Oh, Oh, my God.
0: That was a – Gesture,
2: well, it's a gesture. Yeah.
5: You Have you ever seen the, uh, see. the the passive aggressive Post-it notes that you'll see The people uh, leaving on people's doors if yeah. you're like yeah. walking around? <laughs> like, <laughs> don't <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't leave your shoes in the hallway yeah. or stop playing piano yeah. after. Or that 8 bike PM. is on the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. they
6: don't sign it. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why yeah.
5: they're and passive and no, aggressive. Chickens,
6: chickens. Yeah.
3: There are some noises though that are not from your neighbors. That are some outdoor. I had one really frustrating, and I don't know how you do anything. A screaming
2: ambulance going by, maybe. That's something code. I think
3: we all deal with, but this was where yeah. the garbage trucks is... every morning. The garbage trucks every morning at oh, like five a.m. Four o'clock in the morning
2: in my bedroom. Love it. Yeah. It. it was like, it. right outside,
3: <laughs> and it was and it, this particular <laughs> building was a huge, <laughs> uh, yeah, huge insane. issue. You know, it's, and, yeah. it's,
4: uh, guys. It's I live. My bedroom faces Sixth Avenue on Fifteenth Street, oh. and um, Ooh. I so I have a bus stop right outside, and the it, garbage collects it, it, right outside. Oh. Uh, so yes.
2: <laughs> and how many times have buyers said to you, "Can you please, you know, find me an apartment that doesn't have, you know, a garbage stop, you know, right out my window?" Well, okay, you know. Yeah. Well, the I mean, garbage truck and. I don't think OLR says that in the description. Block, so I know, right? So
4: there's just nothing. Yeah,
2: Westchester, I heard, is pretty nice. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, moving on. Real estate has always been a family business, but some New York City parents are taking things a, a step further. An increasing number of mothers and fathers are helping out their offspring by supplying them with mortgages. You know, helping them to buy their first-time apartments when they're buying in the city. So cash is still king in this town, and what makes it extremely difficult for first-time buyers because you know cash will rule out over a mortgage. It's the first thing sellers look at, so they will always choose a cash offer. So you know, how are first-time buyers with parental help even um, surviving this very competitive marketplace in New York City? I mean, we've we've touched on this topic you know several times before, but seriously, how are they getting around this?
4: it's very difficult um i recently had this situation where i had a buyer first-time buyer actually didn't even need parents help i mean he's doing great on his own um but uh still needed a mortgage and didn't he was a tech guy so didn't really <clears throat> feel comfortable just you know saying no mortgage contingency as much as he really could have mm-hmm. anyway we went into bidding situations over uh, eight bidding situations and eight, seven times he lost out oh. uh, because he was not all cash to somebody was all yeah. cash. So the eighth time we not only went in, um, you know, very aggressively, I mean, because it was, there were about seven bids on the apartment. So not only did we go in very aggressively price wise, but I called the broker and I said, listen, This is what we've been going through. You've known me for a long time. We've been doing business before. You know, we knew each other from the industry. And I said, I'm giving you the best price, I think. So please... Talk to your sellers. Let them know this is the situation. Have mercy. And Mm. they did. And they did. The true part Mm -hmm. of the story, just to finish it out because it got interesting, is we got the bid. My buyer had the contract. And then he goes, I think I'm overpaying for this. (gasps) So after these guys had put aside seven other bids to accept ours, he decided that he wanted to renegotiate the price a little bit.
6: Oh, my God. Oh, no. Happens, I have to tell you, happens, at that
4: point, at that point, you have to be such a professional <laughs> who can handle everybody. And, you know, I had a, a lot of not so happy people in my hands, but I got the deal done.
2: Yes. So, this, is, yes. this is why yes. in this yeah. town, you know, brokering <laughs> deals is very difficult. You Absolutely. know, unlike, and not to minimize what goes on in the suburbs mm-hmm. or anywhere else around the world, because we talk to people around the world here, but – uh, what we do here in New York is unbelievable, mm-hmm. and sometimes having to go back and yep. renegotiate mm-hmm. after you get a deal is like yes. having egg on yep. your face because you've done Absolutely. your best. Yeah. Work. And and
4: you know I will give a shout out on this one because the real skill and the ability to put per- any feelings aside and be such a gentleman and such a great colleague and professional was Matthew Pucker. Um, he uh, was at Element at the time when we did the deal so yeah I mean he, fantastic broker and he did such a great job did the price come down on that? To, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 We, we got I mean it was a one bedroom apartment under a million and we we basically shaved off $15,000 or but, something Perule, like gonna that, but Parul I'm going to
2: give you props on this too because I believe firmly in this town your reputation precedes you so Absolutely. you know if you were somebody else maybe you wouldn't have been able to get away with that because right. you know I, I've done Absolutely. this too I think we've all done this <laughs> and it, no, it really 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 matters who you know yep and it matters how you go to market with your your professionalism mm-hmm. and how you deal with people and how you deal with brokers you know Deborah and I were talking briefly about you know a company yeah. that shall remain nameless with a bunch of brokers that, that you know, part of that culture, they're just not mm-hmm. good brokers, and so you're not necessarily gonna get your way with them and you're not gonna go out of your way with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the best advice for New York City brokers here, as we all know, is to do your best, be your best, be mm-hmm. polite, be smart, mm-hmm. be aggressive, and you will get most of the time mm-hmm. what you want, and that's based on your but relationships. And unfortunately absolutely. we are mm-hmm. out of time so ah. That is our show for this week. We are back next Tuesday morning at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific Time, live as always. And you can catch the show later in the day on a podcast or anytime on our website, voiceamerica.com. Uh, for all of us at Voice America all around the world, I say thank you. Thank you for joining us. We will be back next week. Have a great week and a great Fourth of July, everybody.